Hi guys, and welcome back to another episode of Motor Up Sports. I'm your host, Kenny Eaton, and happy Victory Wednesday, guys. What a night last night. I mean, that was one of the best college basketball games I've watched in years. Michigan State dominated that game. And let me just hop right into it because, I mean, this is the best I've felt after a game in God knows how long. I needed something, I needed a win like this so badly because I've been deflated for months now between all my teams. Great job, Tom Izzo. That's the first thing I'm getting at today is Tom Izzo. I said in the first six minutes, the guy was coaching the game of his life. Every single play from start to finish worked. There were very few possessions outside of the turnovers that he was calling a set and they were fucking up. He called a perfect game, start to finish. He was using Hauser correctly. He was using Hall correctly. He was using Aikens correctly. Everybody was getting used correctly in that game. And he was getting the most out of every single one of his players. Great job, Tom Izzo. That's the exact coaching that's going to get Michigan State far in the tournament this year if he does this for the entire season. That was the best game he has coached. And I don't want to hear it anymore that Tom Izzo's washed up. I'm done hearing that. He's here, and he's here to stay, and he's now the best coach in college basketball now that everybody retired. He outcoached Kyle Perry's ass. Outcoached him start to finish. And Kyle Perry was the first to admit it after the game. That was just unbelievable. I mean, you're looking at this Kentucky team where they got five, six guys who are going to the NBA. First-round picks. They're the best center in college basketball. Guys probably going to win with him. Chibwe will win one. Trust me. Guarantee it. And Madi Sissoko was out there holding his own again. This goes back to Izzo. He's gone from being one of the worst players in the Big Ten to being the best man on the floor in a top five game in six months. From March to November, I don't know what changed. I don't know what Izzo did to the kid. But this is the greatest, you know, Izzo develops recruits like this. He's had a lot of late bloomers through the years. This one might be his best late bloomer. I mean, Nix was a late bloomer. Costello was a late bloomer. Goins was a late bloomer. Cash has bloomed more towards the beginning of his junior year, late sophomore year. He's the best at developing players. And he has developed the daylights out of Madi Sissoko. I'm afraid he's gone after this year. And I know it's early in the season to make that statement. Every scout was at the game they were showing on TV. Every GM was there. It was all NBA town on the floor. And if you're a scout and you're looking at Monty Sissoko and you saw what he did in one offseason and how much better he got. And I'm going to throw the comparison out because this is how he looks to me. He looks like a super undeveloped, super bad Giannis. That's what he looks like to me. That's very, very coachable. He looks like a very coachable player. He looks like the sky's the limit with his potential. And he looks like he's going to be a very damn good player for at least this year here, maybe next year. But I bet he's gone this offseason because the scout's going to look at that progress in six months and say, we can do this and make it even better in two years. Madi Sissoko was the best big man on the floor now for two nights. He was great against Timmy, who's phenomenal against Shibway. I don't know. I'm not jumping to conclusions yet. They got a really tough schedule ahead of them with Villanova. And then, and then you're playing the PK Classic right after that. I mean, you got Bama. You, you got to probably go in and play UConn. And then you might get UNC if you win all your games. Th 
This doesn't get easier. But what is so awesome right now is last year, this team would have got crushed. The year before, they would have got crushed to Kentucky. I mean, they played their asses off. You want to talk about an Izzo team. There's minimal talent on this team. They're a group. This is an Izzo team. This team's a group. Remember, when Izzo has a group squad, those are his best teams. When he goes out there and gets Miles Bridges and Jaron Jackson and gets a bunch of stars, he doesn't do a lot with those teams. But this team reminds me of his teams that get counted out, like that get counted out preseason. They come in there and they just dominate as an unranked opponent. They get ranked, they get hotly in the season. I don't know. This team's kind of screaming and it is a team to me. The effort's crazy. The defense is phenomenal, man. I sat there last night and felt comfortable getting a stop at the end of the game at every possession. Now, granted, the one thing I said was the team who misses the most free throws at the end will lose this game, and Kentucky missed damn near every single one of those. But that game felt like a March game in November. That felt like a game that you're looking at two Elite Eight teams. That felt like an Elite Eight Final Four matchup to me. The entire game. I mean, the way that Michigan State and Kentucky, every time Kentucky tried to pull away, Michigan State came back in, and they never went away. They never went away because these guys play so hard. What I am worried about, though, is, like I've said all year, you're two Mati Sissoko early fouls away from losing games. You still should have gone to the transfer portal. I'm going to say that all year. That He messed up there. I, I remember watching Kohler's film. I saw so many holes in his game, and I was like, this guy will not be ready freshman year. He's not. And Carson Cooper is even further off. I mean, Carson Cooper looks like a walk-on. He looks like exactly what they brought him in for as a walk-off. If Mahdi gives you 32 to 34 minutes a game, I am telling you, he is going to dominate. Michigan State's going to dominate. Because, look, if Kohler's out there and holds his own, because, okay, let's be real. They were horrible against Sheboy, but they held their own and never let the game get out of hand. You do got to realize that there. They're not backup big men in the Big Ten. But if they're going to keep you within six points, I don't have an issue with these guys on the floor for eight minutes a game. Kohler, I will say, he is so far off from being a Big Ten player, but he plays really hard. Watch him. He's on the floor every single play. He's going to be a really good player like Sissoko is in about two years. He's just raw as can be. And, and they got to beef the kid up with his, they got to beef up his legs. Same with Carson. I mean, they got no legs, neither of them. They look like they're still, I, I don't want to say it, but they look like they're high school players last night. I mean, granted, you're playing against five stars, but they looked like high school players. They were getting bullied around, but I mean, if if Akins and Pierre Brooks and, and all the other guys on this team can hold their own off the bench, this team has a lot of potential to be really good. Okay, let's talk about Izzo in the final couple minutes. Let's go back to Izzo. Because, you know, I said it's all a masterclass game from the beginning to end. The play he drew up under the basket, the blob was unbelievable. That was one of the best blobs I've ever seen. And then to follow that up in overtime, to send it to double overtime, this Tom Izzo is... The best Tom Izzo I've seen in years. I mean, this is as good of Tom Izzo 
I'm going to make the argument the first two games, Tom Izzo's coached better than he did any year of Cassius. Because at least with Cassius, I mean, you had all their pieces and it was kind of easy to win games because Cassius just made everybody look unbelievable around him. But this year, let's consider the expectations coming in. Let's consider the lack of depth, the inexperience off the bench. Let's, let's talk about the just the talent gap between Michigan State and Kentucky. I mean, you're going up against a team with six first-round picks, and he found a way to win it out, grind it out, and win. That is something that you you have to sit here and think, Izzo's doing a better job coaching than he's done at any point of his career because the talent is not there. But he's getting the absolute most out of every one of his guys. Holgard, he hasn't looked phenomenal yet. I mean, he's turned it over a lot. Walker hasn't gotten going yet. But when they get going, and they've been pretty solid so far, but once you hit midseason form with those guys, it's going to be a really tough beat in Big Ten play. Because if Joey Hauser's knocking down two to three game, threes a game for you, which is all you have to ask for out of him, he's going to keep you in games. His seniority showed last night. He showed that he was a fifth-year senior and a man on a mission. Malik Hall said, I got you. Another guy, upperclassman experience. The upper-class experience showed last night. And Aikens is everything that I expected. And he might be really, really good. I mean, next year, if he's not starting, it's because the freshmen are that good. He's going to be so good as a junior senior. If he becomes a more efficient scorer, and I love, love it. He's aggressive. He has good hands on defense. And he's clamp up on all three guard, on to two guard position in the forward. If you're watching Michigan State basketball right now, and you're not excited about this, I don't know what to say. They're going to come out there on Friday, and I hope to God they blow the brakes out of Villanova and make themselves a top 10 team. You're at home. You're playing your first big home game of the year. Your seniors, they've done nothing since they were freshmen. The juniors have done nothing here. This is the year they're going to make a statement. This is the year at Michigan State says, we're still here, and we're coming for all your necks. And I'm so excited for this. I am so excited for this. This was like the night that I needed. I needed a night where I can be happy watching a sports game. Because every one of my teams has completely deflated me this year. Everybody's taking me out. Michigan State has inserted life into me for the first time in a couple months. I am so happy right now. A-plus performance, A-plus coaching, A-plus execution out of Izzo and his squad. And I want to move into the Pistons now, who, I mean, they've, they've been struggling, man. But I seriously am watching this team. I mean, there are some leaguers. They're just young and they're playing young. You got Boston writers, you know, tweeting about how this team is going to be really good after that Boston game. And they looked horrible in that game. And people are realizing that the Pistons are back. I, I like that Toronto game. Cade being out and you still lost it close was impressive to me. Say what you want about Ivy and the turnovers and the stupid shots and all that in the fourth. Without that game, without even him getting that aggressive and turning it up in the fourth, I am telling you, Ivy was the reason they were in that game and lost close. He's going to be a superstar. Everything about his game screams superstar to me. His athleticism is just unbelievable. And honestly, he looked better in that game without Caden than he looked all year. 
I don't want to say it too loud, but he, that was the best game he played all year. It was, it was without Cade. When him and Cade learn to play together really well and that chemistry comes together, because one day it's just going to click like that. It's going to click. When that clicks, you're talking about the next potential dynasty in the NBA. They are struggling right now. Casey's clearly not the guy, but at the end of the day, if you're watching them following the Pistons, the individual talent, I mean, they got three stars, future stars on this team. They have a stud vet and a potential six man of the year in the in the makings out of City Bay. Because I I mean, I don't think he's a starter. And I mean he could be he could be traded and upgradable. We'll see what they do there. But between Ivy, Cade, and Duran, I mean, you have three superstars in the making. You have your three pieces. Now you got to get a supporting cast around them. And I'm watching a lot of college ball. And one guy who has stood out to me, if you're sitting at a 5-6 spot, and I guarantee the guy's going to work himself into the top 5 or 6, is Grady Dick. Stick him on the opposite side of Boyan. You now have an athletic three that can shoot the piss out of the basketball and play good defense. Grady Dick is like a mix of Tyler Hero and Klay Thompson if they had a baby. He's going to be a stud in the NBA. I wa- I watched his clips from the two nights prior, and then I watched a lot of the Duke game last night. I mean, this guy is going to be, if he went to Duke and he fucked up not doing it, he would have been the most hated man in the United States. He would have gotten every NIL offer in the history of the planet. But I think Grady Dick would be a perfect fit next to Boyan. And if he keeps playing the way he does, he's going to push his stock into the top 10. And he's going to push into it really quickly. I also think a guy you got to look at, obviously, is Eamon Thompson. You know, he has that potential to be the next great athletic player. I mean, the ceiling of Grady Dick and the ceiling of Eamon Thompson are completely different. But if you're the Pistons at this point, are you going to pick on potential or are you going to pick on fit? Because if you want to pick on fit, you go Grady Dick because he fits this team perfectly. If you want to pick on potential, you have to go with Eamon Thompson if you're sitting in the 3-4 spot. We'll see what the Pistons do. But Grady Dick has been the one guy to me who stood out and I thought, and I'm like, he would be perfect on the Pistons. I think Burks coming back has helped substantially. The bench looks a lot better. They look like more of a unit. I think they played a phenomenal game with him on the floor the other night. I was kind of upset how Casey closed that game out against Toronto. Because if he truly wanted to win that game, and I've been the biggest killing hater now for three years. But I'm an equal opportunist. I still don't think the guy is going to be good. But the way he's played the last four games, I mean, he shows he looks like he's an NBA player. He's showing that he actually can He's showing a little bit of improvement. He looks better than he did the last two years in the first shitty 10 games he played in the last four games. I want to see him on the floor more. Maybe, maybe a switch is turned on his head. I don't know. And I'm not buying it. Because I have saw what he's done for three years and it's hard for me to buy into it. But I do want to see more of him. Because if he's getting hot, I need, I need confidence out of him. And trust me, I'm rooting for the guy to be a good player. I don't want the guy to suck. If the guy starts turning up in the next 10 games, I mean, I'm buying in. Because he's only 21 years old. But I can't buy into it yet. But I want him on the floor. A lot. Like, the end of that game should have been closed with Killian, Ivy, Burks, Boyan, Duran. 
I want to see that as actually my lineup next game because it adds shooting. And Dern's just going to clean up the glass. Bagley or Dern? Start one of the two at center. I want to see Burks at the three. I want Burks in my lineup until Cade gets healthy. And when Cade gets healthy, I mean, maybe you even keep him in the lineup and take care. You have so many things you can do. But for now, I, I think Burks in your lineup is going to help you substantially. Because you need that guy with a three ball on the opposite side of Boyan. And he can stroke that basketball. He can shoot the daylights out of that. Him and Boyan on opposite sides with Ivy taking it up. And let's talk about Ivy too for a second. Nobody talked about us facilitating on draft night. He's a hell of a facilitator. Very underrated facilitator. I mean, he had seven assists last game. When he has the ball in his hand, he, he makes something happen. Having Ivy dish it to Burks and, and Boyan. And then have just, you know, Killian actually hasn't been so horrible, but when Killian's off the bench, you have Cade coming back. Now you got Cade and Ivy taking it up. You have so many things you can do. Burks should be the three. They honestly should start Burks at three the rest of the season. And I'm going to push for that. Pistons got two games coming up Wednesday and Thursday. So tonight and tomorrow against the Lakers and the Clippers. Tonight against the Clippers. Tomorrow against the Lakers. Both in LA. I'm not expecting anything out of this. I. It, I do want us to beat the Lakers. I do want us to beat the teams that we, we should beat. Because, honestly, I would love to see Dern just fuck around and have a game on AD. It would just make my year. I mean, we'll, we'll see what happens there. Clippers, I'm counting as a loss. But they haven't been so good lately. I, I just don't see a way that this team without Cade can stop Paul George. There's no way on this team. I mean, Killian, we'll see what Killian can do on him. I, I bet they, they stick Killian on Paul George. But overall, I mean, there's not a guy on this team that's going to clamp him up. They'll get blown out tonight. Tomorrow, I, I do want to win. But at the same time, I mean, losing that game doesn't hurt you. Because, I mean, that, that, that counts as a game in the uh, lottery. Because I think we're both tied at the same auto spot right now. So either way, they lose the Lakers close fine. I, I do want to see him pull a win out there because it, it would be nice to see some wins than just close losses all year and blowouts. So I want to split one and one on this road trip. Let's see what happens. I mean, we'll probably, we match up really well against the Lakers, in my opinion, in terms of neither of us can shoot the three ball. So you're kind of going to have a good game off and nobody being able to really shoot well. And I bet they go badly during. And they'll go badly during the next two games. I hate it, but they, they're going to do it. Um, But overall, I mean, just lose the Clippers close tonight and beat the Lakers tomorrow. And, I mean, that's a, I come on Friday pretty happy. Competitive losses are good things. I want to move into the Lions now. And look, I'm still completely off this train, and I'm going to stay off of it. There's no point to buy it. Even if they beat the Giants this week, it's good, unless they beat them in a convincing fashion, I can't buy in. I just physically can't. Not if Dan Campbell's your coach, I can't buy in. But I will say, when Brad Holmes' draft picks are healthy, they are so good. Holmes has evaluated talent phenomenally. And now, I mean, he got his bang for the buck out of the Rams. The Rams got their Super Bowl. We're going to take a top six or seven pick out of them this year. Where, honestly, if you look at the job Brad Holmes has done so far, there's nothing that he has done that I sat there and said, bad move. 
when his guys are on the on the field, I mean, they're good. And Hutch, since the bye week, has looked like a, a completely different player, and he looks like an NFL player. And I'm going to apologize to him personally on this podcast. I am sorry for calling you a bust after six games. Because, oh my God, that's the Hutchinson I've been wanting to see. That's Ohio State-Michigan Hutchinson. That's an NFL player. And you know what? Somebody made a good point. And I, I, it's hard to give Brad Holmes credit for that pick because it was kind of a no-brainer. But sometimes they mess up the easy picks. The Lions are known for that. So they didn't mess up the easy pick there. So I'm really happy with um, Hutch so far. Paschal's been good. Kirby's been great. Aaron St. Brown, great pick. Sewell, phenomenal. Aquaro's back in practice today. When he was on the field last year, he was solid too. Jerry Jacobs been decent. They're developing Okuda. I will say, the coaching staff has been developing well. But if the guy can't coach on Sunday, I have trouble trying to defend his job. Because, yeah, I mean, they're a much better team than they were last year. After the last two weeks, I mean, they look like a different team than they were last year. The offense is much better than it was. Say what you want about golf. I, I mean, I'm still kind of on the fence about what you do if you're sitting at two or three. But we all know golf's not your answer. I'm at the point right now where you have a lot of you have a lot of guys, man, on this team that are actually playing good football. And Holmes is evaluating the talent well. But as long as Campbell's here, and we know the Fords have a very long leash with coaches, Brad Holmes is going to be here. As long as Dan Campbell's here, Brad Holmes will never succeed. And it's unfortunate because I don't think he has the, the right to fire. And that's just what's sad to me. At the end of the day, they're looking like a better football team. I'm going to give Campbell that credit. I'm not on the train. They're not making the playoffs. And I hope to God they don't win more than six games. Because I want a good pick. But I'm looking at their schedule. And I'm looking at it. And I'm like, they got some wins on the schedule that they should take care of. That I'm a little nervous they're going to sneak some wins out of their asses, find a way to get seven. And honestly, if they get seven wins, if they can walk out of the season winning six games after starting one and six, honestly, successful season. They can get me six wins this year. I'll call it a success. I'll call it as it is. But Campbell's just not your guy. And I know a lot of you guys are buying back into him. I, and I get it. You guys were buying fucking anything. I bought in like an idiot to the guy. But at the end of the day, you can have a real coach in here right now, like Robert Sawa, and you wouldn't be 1-6 to start the season. So that, that's just where I'm at. He might have been right. They are really close. Because the last two games, I mean, they look like they were close. And he wasn't really lying about that. But at the end of the day... That guy's going for it on fourth every time. That guy's afraid to punt it, afraid to kick it. Can't call it. A, can't time game manage at the end of the game. I don't care how well he's developing these guys on defense because there are guys getting developed really well. You have filling the filling the gap O linemen because you're banged up all over. Guys are coming in and they're just playing, and they're playing well. And you got to give that to Campbell. But at the end of the day, you're not going to win games on Sunday off of bad game management. And going for on fourth and not converting every time. I'm sorry. It's just never going to work that way. That's where the Lions, that's where the death of Brad Holmes is going to come. Off of keeping Dan Campbell around. And I don't think, I think Brad Holmes is smarter than that. Because he's showing me he's the first competent GM the city has fucking had in, in Lions history. 
he's smart enough to know that you're watching Campbell and you're like, this guy's just not an NFL head coach. This guy's not even a college head coach. He doesn't know what the fuck he's doing when it matters. I bet he's watching and thinking that, but at the same time, could he really reasonably can him? Because he wasn't the one who hired him. Well, the Ford's, I mean, Campbell's definitely close with the Ford family and the Ford family's leash is so long. Spielman hired him. Rod Wood hired him. Neither of them know what they're doing. Nobody in the Ford circle knows what they're doing. So as much as I think Brad Holmes, because he wasn't the guy who hired him, probably wants Campbell fired, which he should, because he's not going to win you playoff games or Super Bowls. So you cut your bait now and figure out from there. But at, right now, I mean, it's going to be hard for Brad Holmes to succeed with, with Campbell as head coach. My final segment of the day is Michigan basketball tips off against Pitt tonight in New York City at Barclays Arena. Uh, Michigan needs a convincing win tonight. Eastern's just not as good as I thought they were when I said that on the podcast. And no Dior after what all the legal trouble he got in should make it easier for, for Michigan to win that game. I mean, Pitt's not a good team. They got their asses handed to at home to West Virginia. We saw what West Virginia was last year. They were not the team West Virginia typically is under Huggins. But at the end of the day, if Pitt's going to lose by 20 at home to West Virginia and Michigan's heads above West Virginia, Michigan should come into Barclays tonight with a solid fan base in New York City and stomp on their necks. And if they don't tonight, I would be a little concerned if I'm a Michigan fan that you struggle against Eastern and you just struggled against Pitt. Michigan has to shoot three ball better tonight and it has to fall. You can't shoot five for 21 against Eastern and do that again against Pitt and expect, expect to win. Also, you need to get Hunter going easy. Like, the guy just needs to eat in this game. He ate against Eastern. He's going to eat a lot in Big Ten play. The team really relies on Hunter. If Hunter's playing well, they're going to win a lot of games. If Hunter's, you know, contained, they're going to lose. That's why I think Michigan-Michigan State's going to be a very interesting game twice this year. Michigan-Indiana will be very good games with Trace Jackson-Davison and Hunter Dickinson. Watching Michigan basketball, the three balls to fall, and they got to play some fucking D. They do that tonight, they win. But I think the, I think they win tonight. Um, and if they don't, I mean, you got a stretch coming up of tough games against like Kentucky, Virginia, and UNC. You can't figure this out now. You're going to have a really tough month of, of the end of November and early December. You have to figure it out now. Tonight's night you figure it out against an ACC school. I'll be back again Friday with a new episode recapping the two Pistons games, recapping Michigan Pitt tonight. Um, then we're going to preview the weekend with the Lions. We're going to preview Villanova, Michigan State. And I'll see you guys on Friday. Go Green. Go Pistons.